Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. The All Eyes Visual VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe my sight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. Exactly. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. Hello and welcome to the Open Your Eyes podcast. I'm Dr. Kerry Geld, the host of the documentary, Open Your Eyes. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell to get notifications of great new interviews. Also, please leave comments. Great news, you can now watch our full-length documentary, Open Your Eyes, on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube movies and shows. Omega-3s are an essential fat that's needed to survive. Humans must consume omega-3s from food because we cannot manufacture it. Studies show DHA and EPA found in omega-3s have powerful health benefits for the eyes, brain, heart, and other body systems. Today's guest, internist Marina Green, MD. Dr. Green also holds a PhD in micronutrients and targeted nutrition. Our micronutrient research focuses on carotenoid and omega-3s and how it benefits visual function and cognitive performance. Dr. Green, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Carrie. It's thank so you, nice Carrie. to see you. And I really appreciate, you know, omega-3s is a, a very highly studied drug in medicine. I've seen places where it's approximately the fifth most studied drug in medicine. And it gets kind of confusing because it's an alphabet soup to, uh, to essential fatty acids. So let's start off with omega-3s and the different types of omega-3s, EPA, DHA, ALA. So if you could give us a little insight on that. Absolutely. Um, Carrie, first of all, thank you for having me here. Um, and it's, it's through a series of um, research and evidence that we've reached this um, level of knowledge, I started in getting into the area of um, omegas because of my PhD. Um, even though it wasn't focused on omegas, it was focused on carotenoids for, um, as micronutrients for metabolism, particularly uh, eye function. Um, we, I realized how important uh, 
the addition of omegas into our diets and into our uh, wellness are for um, fun human function. So omegas, like you said before, are, are a certain type of fatty acids, and they are exclusive because we, we cannot produce them. They have something that is called a double bond, so that's why they are unsaturated compared to saturated fats. So um, very generic and, and very briefly, you have two different types of fats, the saturated, which we all know are bad for, for you, like butter and those kind of very solid fats versus unsaturated fats. And that's where the omegas come in. They're called omegas because they, they, they bend into this omega shape of the Greek letter. Um, and they have on, um, double bonds, which made, which by definition that makes the, them called unsaturated. And depending on the place where the double bond is, um, you know, you have then omega-3, which occurs in the third carbon, omega-6, which occurs in the sixth carbon, and omega-9, which occurs in the ninth carbon. Um, Omega-3s and omega-6 are very important for us. They are essential um, polyunsaturated fatty acids, but particularly omega-3s are very relevant because we don't get enough of them throughout our diets. So tell me about Tell me about ALA. What is ALA? And then we'll get into DHA and EPA. Um, ALA is uh, alpha-linoleic acid. It's a very common fat, fatty acid in our diet. It's very um, abundant in seeds, particularly uh, flax seeds, uh, chia seeds, hemp seeds. And that's why they're um, in this new era of uh, this trendy nutrition for getting into more seeds um, is, is so important. Um, and it's a very important molecule because from there, uh, the body can then form the next two molecules, which are um, the other two very important omega-3s, EPA and DHA. It goes up pentanoic acid for EPA and uh, docosapentanoic acid for DHA. So they are in the same metabolism of fatty acids. The first molecule to, to appear is ALA, and that's why it's so important. And then the body can break it down and keep uh, adding, uh, elongating the molecule um, to become a very long chain and then into a, a, an EPA molecule and further down the series of metabolisms into um, DHA. The ALA is mostly from plants, and only a, a small amount can be converted to DHA and EPA, maybe 5%. Is that correct? Correct. So that's, very, that's another key here, and why omega-3s, particularly EPA and DHA, become so relevant. Uh, even though the organism, uh, our organism, our uh, human beings are able to convert ALA into the other two molecules that are relevant, um, the process is not efficient enough and it's not enough. So we don't get enough ALA to transform it all into DHA and EPA, even though we do get enough amounts throughout our diet. Um, the process is not an efficient enough to convert into um enough concentrations, circulating concentrations for our body to, to metabolize and use DHA and EPA. And we do use ALA and we use it for energy, is that correct? Yeah, well, a, a, see, the, the, the thing with fatty acids is that the key of life is thanks to fatty acids. 
and that's the development or the creation of the cell membrane. Thanks to that compartmentalization is, is why life happens. And member, cell membranes are made of, of fatty acids, they're made of lipids. And when you have a, a, a cell membrane with embedded um, omega-3s, it allows it to be more flexible. It allows to have, it allows it to have more um, structure and fight uh, ox oxidation and other um, processes in a better form than, than if it didn't have it. So ALA and DHA and EPA are everywhere in our body. Uh, they are highly concentrated, concentrated in, in, in areas with higher metabolic rates, for example, the brain or the heart. And hence, probably we'll, we'll eventually start talking about health claims and why they are important for us. Um, but the, the biological rationale uh, physiologically is because they are highly deposited in these uh, very important organs to produce a function throughout uh, high metabolic rates, particularly, for example, the brain, where they are highly concentrated to protect the nerves and the neurons and the, the cells that protect the neurons. So ALA is present uh, as, as well in, in, in all these different uh, organs. When we look at DHA and EPA, we get them from animal products such as fatty fish. Uh, explain to me about DHA and what's the importance of DHA and then, and then we'll move to e EPA. And I'm glad, I'm glad you could pronounce what they, what they, what they stand for. Yeah, um, so EPA is eicosapentaenoic acid. DHA is docosapentaenoic acid. We can just stay to, uh, you can just stay, stick to EPA and DHA. Um, they, if, if you want to start talking about DHA first. Yes, please. Um, because we, it's not that abundant in our diet, we probably most exclusively obtain it from like you said, uh, fish sources and specifically oily fish. Like if, if you have caught, it's not gonna have a DHA at all. So we're talking about tuna, sardines, salmon, and probably the best of them all would be mackerel that will have over three grams of D DHA. Um, and for, for people that are uh, vegan, for example, you can, and veg vegetarians can obtain their sources from algal oil. Um, and having said that, you, the reason why um, oily fish are high, have high concentrations of DHA and EPA is because, or particularly DHA, is because they obtain their main source of, of um, nutrient is algae. Uh, so back, going back to the origins, algae are the main producers of um, omega-3s. So, and, and so DHA, where does it typically accumulate in the body? DHA, like I've said, see, it's like we, we at the end of the day, Carrie, are built with our, our building blocks of nutrition. So DHA, every single nutrient and every single compound is spread out our organism in every single cell. But particularly it's been found in higher concentrations, for example, in, in liver, in the heart, in, in the nerves, and in the brain, in the back of the eye, uh, the, which uh, we, your, your viewers probably would be more familiar. 
uh, the, the retina and in the macula. Particularly, uh, the, the DHA, and DHA uh, can embed itself in photoreceptors in the membrane. And bringing back the conversation about carotenoids, because that's my area of expertise, carotenoids protect DHA. So that's why carotenoids are so important in, in the macula for the photoreceptors, because they protect uh, DHA from oxidation, because it's a very fragile molecule. And it allows the um, carotenoids allow for DHA to do its actions for the, the photoreceptor. So it's like a synergistic effect there. And, and EPA, that's not the only, sorry. And I was going to say an EPA and inflammation. Can you tell us about that? EPA and inflammation um, are linked to as, a, as an anti-inflammatory. So that has to go back with other um, fatty acids, for example, the prostaglandins and other pro-inflammatory molecules. Uh, EPA controls the exaggerated inflammatory response by helping the, the molecules to um, kind of controlling the, the exponential process of, of inflammation. So just to get all the, the fatty acids and the fatty acids straight, uh, let's talk about, even though this is going to be mostly about omega-3s, this for completeness of we could ex if you could explain what omega sixes are, and if you could help us with that and the difference between omega six and omega three. Omega six also being an essential fatty acid and uh, and having some uh, benefits as well, whether it's heart health or to decrease insulin resistance in the in the right amount. And if you could talk about CLA and GLA and ARA and LA, but let's start off with omega-3s and LA, if we could. Omega-6 and, and, and LA, linoleic, because, sorry. So we have LA, ALA, alpha-linoleic acid, and then you have omega-6, which is linoleic acid, LA. Right, without the N. Yeah, exactly, sorry. So. Um, LA, linoleic acid, which is one kind of the most abundant types of um, omega-6, um, would be particularly found in nuts, um, you know, like uh, cashew nuts or peanuts, all those types of very oily um, nuts. It's also contained in avocado, um, sunflower oil, uh, and other types of ve uh, vegetable oils as well. The, the problem here with and, and it's very important as well. So they, they are a series of the fatty acids, polyunsaturated fatty acids play important roles in, in the body. We cannot just exclusively talk about one without the other because again, we're building, we're built with uh, nutrition and everything takes its own place. I think the problem that we are, we are having at the moment is that we, have, we want to separate things from, from each other and, and just look at one molecule rather than looking at the whole approach of, of nutrition. Um, because if you're gonna eat avocado with uh, nuts, for example, it's gonna have the different, all the different elements of the different fatty acids. So um, omega-6 are, are important as well. There are a few uh, studies that have proven positive effects for inflammation, but 
the the what science is saying at the moment is that we have to look at the omega six omega three ratio, um, which it has to do with our nutrition. So higher concentrations of omega six eventually will will become negative. Will have negative effects for uh, human health, particularly cardiovascular and metabolic health. And uh, omega omega six because of the anti-inflammatory or inflammatory components, it also has uh, some anti-inflammatory when you're looking at the GLA, evening primrose oil or borage oil, that could be very uh, beneficial. If you could speak a little bit to that. Um, that wouldn't be my area, Carrie. I, um, I would be focused particularly on omega-6 and not, not on omega-6 at all, just on a more of a practical uh, therapeutic process with patients and clinical practice um, and kind of a very general overview of omega-6 and omega-9. Um, omega-6 have become relevant because of what you just said there. They have very, they, they have important properties to uh, cellular metabolism and, and anti-inflammation. When you um, have higher concentrations of omega-6, and that's when you have um, a, a, di a diet high in, in fatty acids, or, or you have more of a Western diet, um, you, you, you flip the ratio. So that means that you, do, you are not having enough omega-3s, and you're having a lot of omega-6, and that's when pro-inflammatory actions uh, take place particularly mechanisms of action and how omega-6 on their own um, with these oils have their, their different effects. I wouldn't know, uh, that wouldn't be my area of expertise. But related to application and it, it's linked with nutrition and, and wellness, um, that's the key, that when you in, invert and you start having more of omega-6 um, intake rather than omega-3 or in a balanced way, um, that's when you flip the, the mechanism, the, the effects, and they, they start to become negative. So just briefly uh, to explain history, uh, before, ages before, we used to have a ratio one-to-one, -one, so, which means we used to eat as much omega-3s as we used to eat um, omega-6. So we, our diet was balanced in that sense. And now it has flipped in that we some uh, in some cases you have a, a ratio of 20 to one. So too much omega-6 uh, in, in relation to omega-3 intake. Again, that doesn't mean that just taking it exclusively like that, omega-6 is bad. Omega-6 is bad in higher concentrations. And when you don't balance that out with the omega-3. So it's, I guess it comes from we're eating too many processed foods with inflammatory oils that's raising that ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. You know, we want a four-to-one ratio down to a one-to-one -one ratio, like in the Paleolithic times, but we're at like 20 to 40 to one. And of course, when we have that big, when it's out of balance like that, we have we increase our risk of all inflammatory type diseases, inflammation being the core component of, of chronic disease. So we're looking at an increased risk of insulin resistance that could lead to diabetes, et cetera. Now, if you could just 
real quick omega nines, and then we're going to concentrate on omega uh, on omega threes. But just tell us a little bit what omega nines are, and uh, we could get this alphabet soup out of the way. Omega nines, um, again, very briefly, they are fatty uh, acids that have their double bond uh, located at the ninth carbon after uh, from from the start of the chain, the carbon chain. They are monounsaturated. They just have that double bond. And the most common of omega-9 would be um, olive oil. And as, as everybody knows, um, olive oil is such it's, it's part of the Mediterranean diet. And the Mediterranean diet has been proven one of the best diets in the world, particularly for uh, primary prevention in cardiometabolic diseases, such as diabetes, um, obesity cholesterol, et cetera, and, and cancer included in those cardiometabolic diseases. Um, and you have the other uh, now trendy oils such as avocado oil or um, what, what uh, yeah, the, the nuts uh, oil. Yeah, cashew oil. Uh, what do you think about avocado oil or and, and olive oil for cooking? Yeah, we always get, get that question. Um, Probably a nutritionist would be more more detailed on that, but the my as a medical doctor, I can tell you that, and and with my background in nutrition, um, both of them are brilliant. You can use them for uh, your your diet, but as we all know, if we cook oil to start to a certain uh, temperature, the double bond will break down, and it'll just turn to a normal saturated oil, as if you would be cooking with the normal oil. So um, ideally, you know, to what temperature and for how long? So we're talking here about more specifics on the, the cooking. So for how long are you cooking with that oil and how high the temperature is? If you're gonna uh, deep fried chips or as we call them chips over here, <laughs> this world, you call them French fries. Um, yeah, it's gonna be exactly the same thing. So if you're gonna use that oil, it's better to use it uh, raw for as a dressing for salads or um, for putting on the soup, uh, but not particularly for cooking. And do you have a favorite oil for cooking? Is it coconut oil or is there any I, type of? We, I, I do cook with olive oil. I, I do everything with, with olive oil. With olive oil. And you'd usually try to do it at low heat? Yes, and, and I, I avoid all types of deep fried food. And if I'm gonna have deep fried food, I'm just gonna go all in. There's no point in doing it half. Because uh, at the end of the day, if you cook, um, if you overheat olive, olive oil or these uh, monosaturated olive oils will turn into normal saturated oil. And some of these oils are not just only omega-6 or monounsaturated. They have omega-6s omega-6s uh, in it, not just omega-9s, but they, have, they cross over and they'll have other types of properties as well, like peanut oil, you know, is, is considered omega-9, but it has a lot of omega-6, so that would be considered more of an inflammatory oil. Would you agree with that? Uh, um, again, I think it very depends on, on how much we're going to have of the, the omega-6. Omega-6, I don't want to say that they're bad and, 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 and pro-inflammatory. Did you, sorry, my confused I got confused there did you say pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory uh well the something like peanut oil has more omega-6 
and would be more pro-inflammatory. Um, yeah, that, I, that's what that's what what I I heard then. Um, at at if you don't have a balanced diet and you are overeating omega six, it will be pro-inflammatory. It will be negative. Yes, because we have omega six are enough in our diet. Like if you if you have a normal diet, you have enough of omega six. And if you overeat these. Uh, in general, a, a diet or these oils, then you will have the negative effects, the, the pro-inflammatory effects of omega-6. Let's get back to omega-3s. Uh, you know, uh, these fat, fatty acids are found in fish, and some fish have more omega-3s than other fish. Uh, why, why is that? Why do some fish have more omega-3s percentage compared to other fish? know Carrie I know particularly that farmed fish farmed salmon for example has high concentrations because their diet is provided in a very uh, controlled manner and is a is already high in omegas where they take it from um and and, and hence why they end up with higher concentrations of of um DHA but I both DHA and EPA um but the I wouldn't know probably because of the type of algae they consume or the um, region of the, the, the area of the, the earth where they, are, where they come from. And th there's been a, a rage now of omega-3 fish oil versus krill oil. Can you make a comment about krill oil? No, okay, sorry. That's not, that's not, now in, in Ireland with different types of omega oils, do you, we in the United States, we have prescription omega oil, uh, Lavazza and Vesipa. Is that something that you're, that you're familiar with at all? Not with commercial names. No. Um, we, there, the, the, there are different reasons why we prescribe omegas, omega-3 particularly, and one of the most established ones is for high triglycerides. When, when triglycerides are really high in blood, that's a, a, a very well-known for, recommendation for years now that um, fish oil, uh, for, for the high concentrations, we're talking at a dosage of at least three grams per day for triglycerides over 500 milligrams. Um, per milliliter, so per deciliter, um, in 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 blood. So um, the problem that we have is that there's in the market there's so many um, supplements that are not properly uh, policed, uh, certified or registered, but that they don't show exactly in their label what are they selling. So if you're just taking one gram of fish oil. That, that gram of fish oil can contain a lot of different uh, fatty acids and not enough uh, DHA and EPA. So regardless, I, I know, for example, in the US, um, TG Omega-3 is a, is a good supplement in terms of high concentrations and is, it fully discloses exactly what type of um, concentrations you're getting for Omega or DHA and EPA. And you're getting both which is very important, not just taking one molecule on its own. The All Eyes Visual VRP is a portable vision 
testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. MacuHealth, your science-born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. So you mentioned triglyceride. Uh, Can you explain the difference between ethyl ester, omega-3s versus triglyceride? Ethyl ester, omega-3s. Yes. So in the United States, like Lavaza, Vesipa, which are prescription, or some of the cheaper omega-3s, they're considered ethyl ester versus triglyceride omega-3. Is that the, um, is that the, they're, 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 I'm sorry, Lavaza, Vesipa, ethyl ester omega-3 instead of triglyceride. Is that something that, that, that you have, that you look into the different forms of omega-3s? Um, I wouldn't know, Carrie, no. Um, usually it's DHA and EPA as, as the, the, the best omegas you can get would be EPA and DHA. Now there are different types of extraction. Some of them are purified. Some of them are just the fish fish oil. Yes. Okay. Talk about, we, we call it ethyl ester and triglycerides, but talk about the extraction part, if you could. It's, again, it's not my area of expertise, um, Carrie. I'm more into the practical uh, application and the uses and uh, more of the holistic approach with nutrition as uh, having omegas as a very important part of it. The extraction process is... Uh, like everything they have it it's um can to break down the the uh, the fish oil and the extraction process um to obtain the purified molecule versus leaving the fish oil the the gram of fish oil with all the different molecules that compose um fish oil or that fish have okay let's let's talk about uh let's talk about the practical side of it health studies and omega-3s, and you, you mentioned triglycerides. Just give us a little bit more insight about how omega-3s could affect triglycerides, and does it affect uh, cholesterol? So, um, uh, when we, when our intake of EHA and EPA increases, um, the the whole uh, metabolism of lipids change. So certain molecules, you know, good cholesterol and bad cholesterol uh, are influenced by the presence of uh, good fats and bad fats. So you have saturated fats, which are the, the bad fats and polyunsaturated fats, which are the good fats. And in with uh, like low density type of protein in the LDL, that's the bad one and high, uh, Lipopro- high density lipoprotein HDL would be the good cholesterol for um, or, or patients are familiar with that name. Um, and when you have higher concentrations, and, and then you have the third uh, component, which are triglycerides. Triglycerides can be free in, in blood, and uh, at high concentrate at higher levels of triglycerides, they can cause 
um, a lot of damage, particularly, for example, pancreatitis. Um, and when um, omega-3s start, or yeah, uh, DHA and EPA start circulating in, in the blood, they, they change hepatic metabolism to, to, to kind of um, grab the triglycerides, transform them into uh, other molecules, free fatty acids. They kind of break them down into the components. So Marina, uh, Dr. Green, I want you to go over how omega-3s can help preventing chronic disease. And if you could sh go over why we're getting chronic disease and how much our diet has to do with it. And I know in the United States, at least, we have a six, about 62, 63% of our diet is processed foods. So I know you have some slides that you could share with us. I, I appreciate that. If you could go through those. Absolutely. Thank you, Carrie. Um, yeah, that, that's a, a very, I, I think that's a good place to start. And then from um, our diseases, move into our nutrition, and then to start looking into particular molecules like uh, omegas and why they are so important. What I'm presenting here is um, a couple of studies that have proven how important our nutrition is and the impact they have in, in, in our current uh, health problems. So the reason why we're dying worldwide is because of cardiometabolic diseases. And, uh, and specifically, I'm talking about diabetes, obesity, um, cardiovascular diseases such as um, strokes or um, coronary heart disease. And the, the main factor, the main contributing factor for these diseases to develop is nutrition. So as we can see here, um, the, if, we, if we consume more salt in our diets or we consume low nuts and low seeds, low concentrations, low levels of nuts and seeds, if we consume high processed meats, all of these factors will lead um, in, to the development of these cardiovascular and cardiometabolic diseases. Um, we have here, as we were talking about omegas, low seafood omega-3 fats are a very important contributing factor for cardiometabolic diseases. And on the other side, I'm presenting, on your left-hand side of the screen, I'm presenting uh, a study from the Lancet, um, the Eat Lancet Commission, um, a, a more recent study, where they show that, um, again, our nutrition, we are not eating enough of the foods that we need, and we're eating too much of foods that we don't need. So um, they found uh, through a series of epidemiological studies and a big consortium of different countries, um, they, they, they showed in their results that were eating too much red meat, for example, and um, animal origin or, uh, foods, and we're not eating enough of what we need, like fish, back again to the, the conversation of omegas, not enough vegetables and not enough fruits. And they considered this as being our, our greatest challenge in, in our current century um, because of the importance of, the, of nutrition um, on, the developing of, on the development of cardiometabolic diseases and these being the main cause of death in the world. Are you concerned at all with, the, with fish when, when it comes to the mercury content uh, because of the pollution in the oceans? Yeah, there there is a there's a definitely a big problem on on mercury, um, probably a bit 
con or, or somehow somewhat controlled with farmed fish. And then we get into the ethical considerations of farm fish. I think everything has um, a knockdown effect on, on the ethical considerations and the um, the danger we're leaving. It's a, it's a big concern, the contamination of the oceans and how that's affecting the, the our nutrition in turn. Because if we are um, giving the idea to the public to eat more fish, there is a concern of, of mercury toxicity. Now, I ha haven't said that, I haven't seen a patient with mercury toxicity throughout my practice, nor I have heard of my other colleagues um, treating uh, toxicity by mercury. So would you be Probably. more inclined to recommend smaller fish? Uh, because, uh, you know, maybe from where you are in Ireland, it's not as much of a consideration, but I think in the United States, you know, mercury, you know, mercury toxicity is something that we have to consider. So would you be more like, are we better off eating smaller fish? Uh, should we be eating fish every day or maybe only a couple times of the week because of the mercury uh, problems and other contaminants? Uh, I, you know, I'm talking from the United States and I know you're not in the United States, but yeah. I, I was wondering if you and your colleagues who think about this and give this a lot of thought, if it's something that you that you that that, that you consider. That's a that's a very good point. Not really, um, Carrie, because it is not a concern here. Realistically, um, I do know that farm fish is more controlled in that manner. That there's not that they they have higher they have a kind of a better diet and they're it's a more controlled environment. Um, Regarding the recommendations for fish, um, that's a that's a difficult area because not many uh, not many people would be able to eat the enough enough amounts of the, the concentrations required. Whether that's because of re economic resources and time in, in their in their life their lifestyle, um, people are allergic to fish. Um, people don't like fish. And then this, this consideration about um, environmental factors with um, intoxication and or, or contamination of the of the waters. I wouldn't know specifically uh, eat less or eat more. I think that's when probably the recommendation for targeted nutrition comes in place, which is supplementing with uh, proper omega omega three supplements and to I think balance that out. And I think where you are in the world, I think, you know, especially here in the U.S., I think it's important if you do eat a lot of fish, especially if you're eating bigger fish, that you do get your mercury levels checked and look for symptoms of mercury toxicity, such as, you know, poor memory, poor sleep, and those, you know, those type of things. Yeah. Um, and, and then the, also consider then uh, obtaining your sources of uh, omega omega three being not only from from fish but also from supplementation. Yes. Um, so so moving on, um, I just put in this slide, uh, Carrie, to link the reason why I started uh, to be interested and in, and and my what happened with the omegas and why we, why we started looking into omegas, and it started with my PhD. We were looking into. Uh, the xanthophyll crotinoids, particularly lutein, mesocyanthin, and cysanthin, and why and how different formulations would have a different effect 
in, in the body in terms of um, serum concentrations and uh, the eye, the concentrations that accumulate in the, in the retina, in the macula particularly. So if, we, if we're looking at, uh, if we're looking at carotenoids, if you could explain how carotenoids help protect the omegas and as far as oxidative stress or rusting, uh, why that's important. Sure, so um, the same as uh, the omegas, DHA and EPA, particularly if we wanna talk about the eye, uh, DHA is the most important molecule that accumulates in the cell membranes of the photoreceptors. The um, carotenoids, the transaplate carotenoids do exactly the same thing. Lutein, mesozoxanthin, and cyoxanthin also insert themselves within the, the cell membrane, and they're very close to the omegas. And what they do, um, they, they are all, it, it's thanks to their uh, chemical properties. They also are unsaturated, which means they also have double bonds, and they have many double bonds that allows their structure to twist and to have a very um, interesting structure to um, insert themselves in the membrane and make it more, make it more soluble, but also their double bonds allow to grab the, the free radicals. So we are constantly exposed to oxidative stress, like you said, from um, our lifestyle, stress, um, UV light, like normal light exposure, um, high concentrations of saturated fats in our diet. All these stressors um, are gonna affect the functionality of the cell and that's through oxidation, the, the famous oxidative stress, and that's given by um, free radicals. And these free radicals are uh, effectively grabbed or quenched by the carotenoids. And instead of these free radicals affecting the omegas by changing their structure or removing the double, the only double bond that they might have, um, and started making a more of a saturated fat rather than a non-saturated fat. That free radical is um, eliminated by the by that carotenoid. So that's how the the market, That's how carotenoids protect the omegas, and then they allow in turn to maintain a, a healthier photoreceptor. So we need a, a good balance of omegas. We need a good balance of carotenoids. But what happens if somebody has a lot of carotenoids, but no omegas, or a lot of omegas and not enough carotenoids, which seems to be more protective? Um, yeah, good, good question, Gary. I think that when we're talking about which one is best, it, it's always important to have both and the synergistic effect that they have. But in terms of protection, for the photoreceptor, by far, the xanthophyll carotenoids are the most important molecules. The photoreceptors, like uh, Professor John Nolans like to call them, they're like the sunscreen of the eye. They protect not only from free radicals, but, but also protect from blue light um, they, they, by absorbing the photons. photons. They also protect from um, other anti-inflammatory -inflamm processes. So in terms of, if we want to talk about protection, the, the carotenoids are the, the stars of, of the movie. Whereas the omega, CHA particularly, would be more of a function uh, functional molecule that will allow the, the cell to have um, stability, uh, to have a better metabolism, 
um, a better strength in, in its cell membrane rather than, than protection. If you could also talk about, uh, as an internist, the carotenoids in other parts of the body, you know, we're eye doctors and we like to think about carotenoids in the macular and preventing macular degeneration or decreasing the risk of macular degeneration or cataracts. But how about heart, cancer? What's the, what, what are you researchers looking at as far as helping protect the heart and, and maybe preventing against some cancers with carotenoids? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that question is very timely, Carrie, given that uh, we, we want to look for more other molecules that can give us uh, benefits and, and provide a, a, better, a better health. Um, the, uh, besides the functions that you've mentioned about carotenoids, they also, I, I'd like to just mention there about their properties for improving vision and cognition. And that's when I'm gonna link it then to the brain. So carotenoids have also been found in specific areas, obviously um, the, the visual area in the brain, but also other areas in, with, spread out in the brain. And hence why there's a lot of hypotheses that uh, intervention with carotenoids in the elderly population can improve cognition or improve certain aspects of cognition, particularly memory or working memory. Um, small trials have been have proven that in in the elderly, um, intervention with carotenoids and omegas have a very positive effect in um, in cognition. Now, other areas of the body, uh, for example, cancer. There's a big there are particularly two main cancers: uh, non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Um, patients that have uh, higher concentrations or have a better diet and hence higher concentrate, higher intake of carotenoids, of lutein and cysanthin, have a protective factor for uh, non-Hodgkin lymphoma and breast cancer. Those are kind of the two main cancers that have been looked into. Um, some studies have shown some efficacy in pro prostate cancer. Um, and then you have other carotenoids like um, astaxanthin, that's a very important molecule for cardiovascular uh, diseases, uh, also uh, particularly the metabolic syndrome, which we're talking about altered glucose or altered lipid profile, uh, profile pro potentially hypertension and the, the initial process of atherosclerosis. Um, and in other areas besides cognition, brain function, a visual function, there's an interesting link between the neurofunctional aspect of uh, the eye and the brain is that they're, they're not only improving vision by protecting from refraction of the lights, but also because they're making the message more effective to the brain and the process of the information more, effect, more efficient. Um, there, there has been also studies on in the liver, there's concentrations um, higher concentrations. Now, again, lutein and something are found throughout the, the organs, the heart, uh, the liver, the kidney, pancreas, but they are at higher concentrations, obviously really high concentrations in the macula, higher concentrations in the brain and also in the liver. You mentioned astaxanthin. Uh, what is astaxanthin as a carotenoid? A lot of our uh, listeners may not know, they know, may know lutein zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin, but they may, may not know about astaxanthin. And astaxanthin will get a lot of press at times and, and then they kind of not see as much 
of it, but supposedly it has a much, it's much more antioxidant effect than, than even vitamin C. And it's a very powerful antioxidant that, that the body needs. If you could mention a little bit about it and its benefits in the skin and maybe some other parts of the body and where do we get it from? Absolutely. So that's something is another crotonoid. Um, it's, it's not widely available in our diet. It's, it's very similar to, to omegas. We can obtain it from algae, for example. Um, sea algae. It has a very good property of, of antioxidation. And because of their um, antioxidation properties is being tested for cardiovascular disease that has a lot of inflammation going on with the process of the developing of the atherosclerosis. Um, there's been some studies in the production of astaxanthin that have shown that the chemical modification of the molecule slightly just to make it more bioavailable or just to make it into the formulation, not modifying it in, in a chemical way, but the different um, addition or, or subtraction of certain of cert, um, certain bonds, for example, or molecules of the molecule of the compound will make it more uh, will, will provide more a higher potency of antioxidation. Um, and, and everything is at a very um, phase one clinical uh, preclinical level. We haven't been see, we haven't seen a big uh, intervention studies with astaxanthin. Yeah, I mean astaxanthin uh, is a very interest, interesting uh, compound, and you know I've read some studies that uh, not that you should try this at home, but if you take astaxanthin, uh, you're less likely to get a sunburn. If you go outside, it help it help prevent you from getting a sunburn. And I have to admit, for myself, I've used astaxanthin, and it definitely took longer for me to get sunburn and not get sunburn. Of course, I'm not going to sit out in the sun uh, for hours just to test it, but you know, even just for you know the 45 minutes that I'm out there, where in the past I would get sunburn after taking eight milligrams of astaxanthin for about six months, it didn't happen. I mean, it's just an end of one, but read about that. I, I read about uh, protecting the skin. So That's I thought I'd throw that in. in no, crossnoids are um, help uh, protect and all, and, and all the properties that we mentioned, and they're highly concentrated in our skin. So I, I, I wouldn't um, have any doubt that that's one of the mechanisms that the reason why something is so important is just the skin uh, accumulates high concentrations of, of crotonoids in general. Um, so that's interesting. I, I didn't know that. I, I, didn't, I haven't seen uh, big studies on uh, sunburns and uh, sun protection with us or something. Do you want to go to the next slide? Yeah, perfect. So after we conducted this study in different formulations, we wanted to understand if the crotonoids will be will do their effect on their own or if they needed a synergistic effect with the omegas. And that's where the omegas then um, are, are brought into the conversation. Definitely omegas have a synergistic effect in both bioavailability, so it would make it easier 
for the body to absorb carotenoids. Carotenoids are a very difficult molecule to absorb any kind of um, compound that, are, that is lipidic, like vitamin D, for example, um, that's also very trendy at the moment and has shown other very good benefits, um, have a, a lot of difficulty in, in being absorbed in, in throughout our intestines. So the presence of other fats like omega-3, particularly omega polyunsaturated fatty acids, not saturated fats. Saturated fats will compete um, for absorption and, and will decrease the absorption of carotenoids versus unsaturated fats um, that synergistically um, help the absorption of the carotenoids and also the, the benefits of the carotenoids. In, 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 in both in a just synergistic manner. So um, probably coming back, that, that's my link then to start talking about the, the omegas. We have covered this, we've explained why, why, are, they, um, why are they called omega-3, 6, and 9, um, and why they are, uh, their dimensional configuration is important because uh, that allows them to have a specific structure in the cell membrane and hence provide this stability to the cells. Um, we've talked about the three important essential um, omega-3s um, and others like the, the omega-6 um, and then the health claims. So there's a lot of health claims out there on, on omegas and the different um, benefits they have from cardiovascular disease to um, brain, Alzheimer's, inflammation and autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, um, menopause, epilepsy. As you can see, there's, there's a lot. And I just want to kind of um, give a, a, a larger picture of what's happening. So it, we can categorize or classify these diseases into mechanisms that are occurring within the diseases. So you can have brain function and we're talk we can talk about cognition and mental health. There is important evidence on depression and anxiety. Um, there are many psychiatrists that are prescribing omega-3s through their through diet by increasing consumption of fish, oily fish, but also through supplementation. And that is a, a, a a very good area for supplementation in depression, depression and anxiety, but also for cognition, like in, in patients with Alzheimer's. And then obviously we have the most um, and, and most validated and with more evidence, which are the cardiometabolic diseases for um, secondary prevention, like we just talked before about heart attacks and um, heart failure. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. The All Eyes Visual VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields 
acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEbroadcasting.com and sign up today. Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.